Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. For further understanding of what has transpired this morning, what advice and demands and requests have been made by these healthcare officials from throughout the state, uh, we've got KSL News Radio's Paul Nelson, an expert in all things. Paul, how you doing, sir? <laughs> you like that? That title, though. That... <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, that now that 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 is fake news. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> anyway, I got distracted because man, you built me up way too high. Uh, Go ahead, expert of all things. What do you got for us? Uh, What'd you learn at this press conference today? <laughs> all right, uh, things are bad. Back to you. No, uh, all right. No, <laughs> all seriousness, what we did learn is that um, you know, as the doctors were talking about the current rate of uh, infection, just not sustainable for the hospitals. One thing they pointed out, this was officials with Steward Health, they say, hey, even if the infection rates, even if magically somehow tomorrow we don't have any new cases tomorrow or the day after that, it takes a while for the hospitalizations to catch up with the new cases. And they are expecting there will be a lot more people kind of coming into the hospitals as these rates uh, tend to continue to soar every single day. For example, today, what was it, 180, uh, 100. 867 cases, uh, which is a new daily record. So they are expecting many of those people to need to go to the hospital within uh, just a few days, if not the, the next couple of weeks. That was one thing. Another thing that people were pointing out, if you look at the uh, current capacity, um, hospital capacity, because the state has that listed, uh, every single day, what the, what the, you know, ICU capacity is, non-ICU capacity. And they say things like, realistically, the ICU capacity was only at 66%. Uh, non-ICU was 55%. So people were asking, well, wait a minute. It doesn't look like you're on the, the tipping point necessarily. It doesn't look like you're really getting close to overwhelmed if, if, um, you're just barely over half of nine non-ICU capacity. And they, the doctors pointed out, you know what? You you want to have beds open for new kind of patients to come in. If you get slammed with too many patients and you don't have beds available because there are too many COVID-19 patients, guess what? Other people can't be treated, and that's the thing that they're really not wanting to go to. Uh, one of the big things they pointed out, um, I asked, hey, look, we have this at the Mountain America Expo Center down in Sandy. We have hundreds of beds, don't we? I mean, they had this overflow capacity over at that expo center, and they pointed out, realistically, the beds aren't the thing you got to worry about because beds don't treat people. The nurses, the doctors, the hospital staff, they're the ones that treat people, and that's the thing that you really got to worry about. Are, do we have enough staff 
to handle all of the patients that are coming in. So capacity is just one thing that they're looking at. They're looking at the workload they're dumping on their hospital staff, and they're saying that already is becoming a problem. I've been paying attention pretty closely to hospital capacity. It is, you know, the lesson we learned in Italy was that when capacity is reached, that's when that's when the news gets real bad. And so I have been and, and grateful to the state, uh, so I thought, for producing and providing that information, updated daily, and drawing from these very medical institutions uh, who are represented in this press conference today. Uh, as you mentioned, ICU capacity, at least as reported by the state right now, is at 66%. I couldn't help but noticing, though, during the press conference, it was uh, Dr. Mark Brisacher, uh with Intermountain Healthcare who, who stated that, in fact, 72% percent is the real capacity rate was there any did anyone address that discrepancy or is there any explanation of why those two numbers are different um well they kind of going back to that point about you want to have beds open and available because um that's where it gets uh really tricky if once they get to 80 85 that's basically at the state of okay yeah now we are overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and they also mentioned that all those extra beds that they have at the expo center they don't want to use them because that means they're going to to spread out the staff so um so that's the big situation is that it you know if you get filled uh with COVID 19 patients you can't really help other people who need the beds and so that's that's why they're worried about just even getting close to capacity of of um you know what either non-icu or icu yeah uh time is tight paul but answer me this what do the doctors say about going back to school do we get to go back to class in the fall they're really worried about it i mean they say things like well we need a huge reduction in cases they say if uh, trends kind of stay where they are now if they keep uh rising the way that they're projected to rise then they don't believe that it would be safe for kids to go back to school. They're, but at the same time, though, they said uh, a lot of people said that the online learning experience that they had to do at the last end of last semester, they said that really wasn't a, an effective way of doing it. I mean, there was a lot of confusion. It didn't work well for some people. So um, they say you got to worry about how well the kids are being educated. Yet you do have to worry about um, having a healthy economy. At the same time, though, without a healthy population, you can't have a healthy economy. Um, so that's uh, that is their concern. They are worried about the current trends. They say if they stay where they are, it's not necessarily going to be a safe thing to do. But at the same time, um, the online learning experience just wasn't wasn't a great deal for a lot of people. Paul Nelson, expert of all things. Thank you so much. Don't call me that. Don't don't ever call me that. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the thanks for the the information there. We'll take that and do with what we will. Hopefully, moving towards a safer circumstance, getting those classrooms back open in the fall.